G'day, and welcome to My Favourite Album. I'm journalist and filmmaker Jeremy Dillon. In each episode, I'll be talking to a different guest about an album they love and how it's influenced and inspired them. My guests today are a husband and wife duo joining forces this year for their first album together. Both racked up trophies for years in the McClymonts and Adam Eckersley band respectively, but now they have co-written and recorded an album that blends their individual artistic strengths into a record called What Else? Adam and Brooke. Adam Eckersley and Brooke McClymont, welcome to my favourite album. Thanks Thank for you having for having us, Jeremy. Man. Oh, well, thanks for coming over, guys. No worries. So, tell me, what is your favourite album? This was actually an interesting thing to try and figure out, being that there's two of us and we we have different... Very different styles and tastes in music. Not too far. No, no, we just sort of... Some of our favourites are different. So then we went, okay, let's trim back some of our individual favourites and find one that was collective. a favourite collective and meant a lot to us both. And... One that we've listened to, and it's always been one of my major favourites, but I introduced it to Brooke when we got together. We got together, living in Woodbury, and I remember I, it was one of the first albums that Adam played, and I, I just caught my attention. I'm like, who is this? So it's James McMurtry, Too Long in the Wasteland. It's a fantastic album. Cool. You pay no attention, but it won't hurt your grades, because you're painting by numbers, connecting the dots. They don't have to tell you you don't call the shots You jump when they say jump And you don't ask how high Just painting by numbers they know you'll get by Painting by numbers they know you'll get by So... This would be interesting because there's two different answers to this question. We've sort of just talked about how Brooke discovered this record. Adam, how did you discover this record? When I was still in Grafton, I was a mechanic, an apprentice mechanic, and kind of spending all my money either on musical instruments or albums. Like, that was pretty much it, and alcohol and cigarettes or whatever <laughs> else. But besides that, it was albums and musical instruments. And there was a dude that used to work at the music shop, and he was this cool sort of hippie dude. And he'd just get all these albums come in, and every time I'd go in there, he'd say, man, you got to check this out. And he introduced me to so much cool stuff, and this was one of those albums that he gave to me and another guy that used to, I used to knock around playing guitar with, and we both sort of just loved it straight away. And I love it because it was one of those albums, too, that grows on you, sort of, the more you listen. Because James McMurtry, he's no Prince or Pavarotti, he's kind of got his own thing vocally going on, but... His lyrics and his intention and, and the way he sings it, it's no one could do his songs the same as he does it. What's well, interesting, like this record was produced by John Mellencamp. Yes! Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny because like, you can sort of hear that in the sound, but he's a very different songwriter. 100%, yeah. And I think Mellencamp was working on a movie script or something that James McMurtry's father had written. 
at the time, and that was how McMurtry had a chance to give Mellencamp the demos, and that's how they worked together on this record, Too Long in the Wasteland, which was his first sort of one. But it is an interesting matchup. Some of the snare sounds and stuff, I love, and I wonder how much of that is Mellencamp. Yeah, okay. So fast forward in time and rewind back to earlier in our conversation. Actually, let's talk about this in a broader way. How much crossover is there in your taste between the two of you? Because like, I think in most good relationships, there's got to be a decent amount in common, and especially for you guys, I would imagine that's fairly crucial. Yeah, totally. For me, I'm always listening to melodies, to production, down to then lyrics. So for me, when it came with Adam, I always had it came in with an open mind when it came to getting into what Adam was like. For me, it was all about heart, the Eagles, Dixie Chicks, Faith Hill, Shania Twain, mixed with... A lot of 80s, I guess you could say. I was really into that stuff. I was more of the pop commercial side of things. So when it came to Adam's, when he used to put on his collection of music, I was pretty like, what is this to begin with? But as, you know, you get to obviously learning about your partner and then you take an interest of what they're interested in. So I was like, wow, then... And majority of the stuff that Adam had on, we just in the background, it just used to really catch my attention. So we, I think, too, we helped each other listen to music in different ways. Brooke's right. I, I didn't really care too much about someone that could do vocal acrobatics and tricks. And melodies, yes, I know they're important because they get stuck in your head. But I was always one. I didn't care if someone was just grumbling along, almost monotoned. If I felt the lyric connected and it painted a picture and took me somewhere, I was in. And if I thought the voice whoever it might have been, was right in that lyric. I didn't really care about the melodies and stuff. So when we first started to listen to music together, Brooke's like, you know, what is this? Where's the melody? Where's the hooks? And I'm going, it doesn't matter, man. And then Brooke started showing me some of the stuff she was listening to and I'd go away going, you know what, that bloody hook's been stuck in my head all day. <laughs> so it was, we both, yeah. you're right, it was good for each other and we allowed ourselves to do that. I think music being our common thread of why we are together as well, it was something that was like, okay, you're going to teach me something and vice versa. There was a few times where I might have been driving down the highway with some Shania banging out. Yeah, yes, Shania's awesome. But you know what, that's the thing with being in a relationship, you've got to compromise and you've got to be willing to listen to what your partner's, what they've got to say. I will not hear a word said against Shania Twain on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) She's awesome. So what is, for each of you, the artist or record that you love the most that the other of you can't stand? Oh, can't I know, stand. I, can, I know which one I don't like of Adam's. Go ahead. Uh, can I guess first? Okay, yes. Jethro Tull. Yes! I, it's, you know what? I know he's a legend and I know he's made, but it does my head in. It's Not just a big fan of the flute much. in rock no, and roll I music? I love the flute. It's just too much flute. And every time I hear it, it just brings... It should never be said. <laughs> Look, I don't know. Maybe I was in the, the moment I remember. But you kept playing it. This is a problem. Adam kept playing Let it. Let me play your songs. Oh, just 
You know what? I think you just played it too much in a row, like in a period of our relationship. And I just went, will you please stop? It's driving me. It's like a little woodpecker, you know, something just... Chinese water torture. (laughs) And I just was like, oh, okay. So what about yours with mine? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I tried to find something in stuff. There was probably... There would have been stuff that... Well, see, it's funny. I don't dislike Britney. I just didn't really like the idea of listening to her. It didn't kind of feel right. But if I did listen to her game, yeah, she did do it again. That's right. (laughs) And she's apologising about it. Is she actually apologising? Oops, she's saying oops. Is that an apology? I I don't don't know. know. Maybe it's sort of saying that... I guess it's like it's a a mistake, but I don't know if she actually... She says sorry. She means it. She's got everything worked out to a T. It's all got its place. Extremely sexy. So that was... Look, that was at the beginning of our relationship when I bought all those... I like to do research too. And I'm a massive fan of Britney. She was in my era back when I was 18. She was coming out at the same time. Obviously much bigger. (laughs) Some of the favourite ones... I know this is the opposite to what you're saying. I can't really remember anything that I hated, but Brooke introduced me to Eva Cassidy and... Iris Dement and stuff well, like that, that. Now that's one of my favourite records. Yeah, awesome. Actually, that is my favourite record of all time. Yeah. If I had an individual one, is Iris Dement in Infamous Angel. Okay. It is brilliant. Honestly, every time I went back to Grafton, I'd have to... We're not talking about that one. So a great record. What was your most favourite record? Oh, I, that wasn't the question either. <laughs> You're putting me on it now. <laughs> you guys could just interview each other. <laughs> I don't have to be here. It's Jeremy's podcast. <laughs> Terry's off the track Sent him away and he won't be back for a while Fifteen years old One night he lost control Straight shots Staggered out to the parking lot Well, let's turn our minds back towards the James McMurtry record And I want to pick up on something, Adam, that you said before about music for you, at least, historically being something you find your way into through lyrics primarily. What are the lyrics or what's the lyrical point of view on this record that really grabbed you? Oh, I just loved his honesty. There's a real sarcasm to it too and almost like a apathy, but, well, it's, it's kind of almost like he's poking fun at some of the, the silliness of modern society, I guess. And it, I guess when I got into the record, I could associate with some of that. Just the way he can paint a picture as well is just... He really puts you in places. Just great imagery and Bullet stuff. holes in the mailbox. The bullet holes in the mailbox, yes. Some other lines, like, oh. we'll listen to Peyton by Numbers again the other night, and it was just... Terry's one of my favourite oh, songs. Oh, yeah, Terry. What was one of the... Bullet sure. holes in the mailbox. We're Peyton by Numbers. Yeah, what was one of the Connecting the dots. Yeah. Um, you jump when you see you jump. You don't yeah, ask how high. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's... it's Peyton by Numbers. You know you'll get by... There's some great lyrics. Take a position in your yeah, right. man's firm. Terry is too. That's one of our favourite songs that we just... Yeah, you just... Do you know where you go? That's some... kind of about one moment in one kid's life where he'd done something completely stupid and the effect that it ended up having on him, being locked up and every night reliving the actions, just going, man, what am I doing in here? And you can really put yourself in that kid's position at the time. It's amazing. Like It's one of those songs that has almost like this... If it was a film, it would seem like this epic, 
independent kind of drama. But in a song like this, you can just pick out these key details and yeah. quash the whole thing into a few minutes. Totally. I, I love that too. That's interesting. He picks these really, for me, real simple everyday life topics and creates these amazing stories around them that make them in the moment sound bigger than they are but without over exaggerating them he finds the importance in the really simple things like there's one line in a song for a deckhand's daughter where he's come home at christmas time no presents for the children only stories for the men but your mama still called him daddy she could never call tell him no yeah it's you just like you can see this guy going to drink his never takes long to drink a deckhand's pay and he'd go down there when he's off the boat and just smash the booze come home to mum and not treat her very good and the mum still loved him and the daughter wondered how she could love him and just real simple in the house effective stuff yeah wonder like how much of this is observed how much of the stuff he writes about is drawn from totally his imagination or like if you listen to that it sounds like he'd spent a lot of the time on the road drifting from town to town and i've often wondered that too going i wonder if that's just because he's a muso and he's traveled and he is in and out of town or if he has been somewhat of a drifter i haven't looked into him too much to be honest i think he was actually for a period and i feel like there's this prodigal son element to his life because his father was larry well i think still alive larry mcmurtry who wrote the last picture show and wrote the screenplay for brokeback mountain and is novelist and all that but i think there was probably an element of like he couldn't go straight into the arts as an ah. adult well he definitely made an impact i believe like i feel like he's really a like he owns his what he does like what year was this album 89 was 89. it yeah like for me i mean i think back then too music was free you know everyone had the i guess the creative ideas that they could do whatever they want about them with not sure actually I wasn't there but you know I assumed that because there was so much different stuff going on but him at the time he stood out for a number of reasons a vocally writing songs that again that we we're just talking about like painting massive pictures in your mind we're going how does he articulate that so well yeah. and not only that but he was making you feel too like going with the band listening to the tracks on this album as well it's so intense oh that's the other thing I was lucky enough to see him live in Nashville maybe six years or so ago and he was intense it was amazing he had the most piercing eyes and when he was singing some of his politically charged sort of songs and what have you you didn't want to take your eyes off him and he just glared around the room like not not angrily it was just like an intensity that he meant every word that he was saying and i didn't realize that he played guitar like he does either until i saw him play live like i'm not a real good one to go and look at who's done what on albums i just like them if i like them but 
He's a really unique guitar player too. A lot of his chordal solos and his use of effects and stuff. And it was a three-piece in Nashville that he was playing with and it was just full and the way they played off each other was awesome. So have either of you ever performed any of the songs on this record, ever covered any of these tracks? No, we haven't actually. It's been one of those albums that has been living in our house since we've been together. And I feel like Tracy Chapman, whoever tries to do a Tracy Chapman song, they don't do it justice because she's the only one that can do it. I feel like James McMurtry is that guy. He's so unique and different that, I mean, if I tried to do it, especially with my voice, I'd probably pretty it up and it just would not have the same effect. I've just never tried. I just think he's that unique that... He's a joy to listen to. He's something that you'd really have to listen quite intently and and embrace it for what it is. Because, I mean, I think he's a great singer for what he does. And I think his music has the effect. Well, it's effect, it affected me in the right way when I remember hearing it. It caught my attention. I've been the same that most of my favourite albums or bands, or songs and stuff that I really shy away from to cover. And... There's been a few where I've ended up going, no, I really want to do this and have a go. And you either will fall flat or and get it out of the set really quickly because you don't want to disrespect it. Or something might stick around and evolve into your own sort of version of it. But I put him in that category. It's the same as like I couldn't go out and sing a Zeppelin song because I hate hearing Zeppelin sung like an octave down or two octaves and it's still trying to rock out. It's like... You've either got to try and make something out of it that's your own or don't do a half-assed version of it. Same as Hendrix is a really hard one and Stevie Ray Vaughan, all them dudes. Like It's kind of, you know what, you belong somewhere there by yourself and, yeah. I'll leave you alone. <laughs> yeah. It is funny, like, some artists where the song and the performance are so intertwined and they're so reliant on each other. I mean, Zeppelin's a great example. Like, Whole Lot of Love is an amazing song on Led Zeppelin 2, but anyone else performing a whole lot of love is just hot garbage. Yeah, it's like, yeah, totally. And how many times have you heard it sound like complete garbage? Yeah. yeah. There's certain things you stay away from, and I feel like this James McMurtry album is definitely something that I stay clear of as far as doing live. And half of that, I think, is he's so unique in the way he writes and it's so connected to him and his his voice, his lyrics, and his intensity are the package that sells it. It's not, it's not a beautiful oh, yeah. melody with a, you know, a good hook that sort of another vocalist with equal or similar ability can go and reproduce. It's like you've got to have that same intensity to, to sell the lyrics and you know, the whole thing going on. So is part of it that, and I guess as people who are fans of this record, is part of it the sense that you feel like it's his point of view and you can imagine it being written from whether or not these are true stories at all. It feels like it could be his experience. Yes, totally. He's so convincing of that and that's what I like about him. Well, convinces me on the record. And Maybe I'm, that's why I've never looked into it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be proven. I oh, know he's been an accountant for the last 40 <laughs> years and he's never left his neighbourhood. Yeah. Yeah, the truck's on the highway and the ticking of the clocks. There's a ghost of a moon in the afternoon. Bullet holes in the mailbox Bullet holes in the mailbox Keyholes in my mind Too long in the wasteland Too long in the wasteland And falling behind So how has this record influenced either of you? You know how music has memory points for you? Like, for me, personally, it's such a 
beginning of our relationship because I just remember once it was played, it became one of my favourite records to begin with when we first started dating. So for me, it takes me back 10, back in 2008 when we first got to living in Woodbury, still travelling around pre-kids. It started to be our little thing. I liked how it connected us together because it was something that we both really enjoyed listening to. Like talking to you now, I feel like this is what we did when we first started listening to the record. We dissected it, you know, we're like, how did he do that? Like, And as far as influences go, like how it influenced, I think I got this album when I was 17. So I've had that sort of to put everything up against other albums that I've listened to, my own stuff as well. So you kind of... I'm, you never get close to this guy's lyrics, but it certainly makes you dig as deep as you possibly can and look and go, are you really explaining this situation? Have you articulated it right? Have you painted the picture? Get as close to James McMurtry as you possibly can. I'm not saying necessarily that I'd have the same political views or the same passion or whatever about some of the issues he sings about, but just the way he tells a story. I've always aspired to, yeah, and I've always aspired to try and push myself as closely to that as and possible. And that's what we've tried to do too. It's like with all the great songwriters and people like James and who are like him, it's that, is this the best lyric? And I feel like he's one of those guys that really nails a lyric every time. Angeline, Angeline, darker nights I've never seen. I don't love these East Texas pines. Where I can't find my sleep In the shadows so deep Dark as the doubts in my mind So, sort of touched on this then, but when you put this record on these days, you've had different lengths of relationship with the album between the two of you how has what it means to you changed over the years and what's the experience of listening to the record like these days? I remember when I first showed Brooke this album and I remember being really proud to like, here, yeah, you've got to check this out. And it kind of the first time washed over and, and it was kind of, oh, I don't really like his voice. But then I enjoyed watching Brooke kind of go, I relived what I lived when I was 17 when I sort of lived with it over a period of time and listened to it and listened to it and found new things and kind of, oh, wow, Terry, oh, he's getting out. Yeah, cool. And I mean, you sold it so <clears throat> well too to me. You were like, you really need to listen to it. And having that someone who you respect and who you like, that really helps sell. You know, music needs a good host. You've always said that. Adam's always said that. And I feel like... Once you get in that... Are you sure I pinched that off, um, what's his name? Guitar play dude that sings that song about the high school hallways. Pretty popular guy. What's his name? John Mayer. John Mayer, that's it. (laughs) Pretty sure I heard him say that sometime. (laughs) No no such thing is the name of that song. I want to run through the halls in the high school. I want to scream at the top of my lungs. I just found out. So I kind of was in from the get-go because I really liked it, and so I'm like, I need to listen to this, obviously. But I think we both now have an equal kind of excitement when we're listening to it. If we're in the oh, right like, mood, we just put it on when we're drinking beers. So today, even like coming down, and we just wanted to quickly go over it if there's anything we miss. Like even today, it still stands out. I love that it just the realness, like the live tracks on it, like everything's. 
played by a person who knows their instrument really well. And even though in today's world we're, we're surrounded by tracks and we're surrounded by a lot of pop music, I don't know, there's something really refreshing still when you put an album like this on. And it just takes you back. I feel like I was born back in those days where I'm like, this was the way music was. And it still has merit. Do you know who makes played you feel- drums on it? I do, but I can't remember. I love his strum and it's so musical. I know that sounds terrible to say. All drummers are musical, but he's... Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> all good all good ones. But he's filling space. He's really got his own thing going on. It's super cool. And I do love that snare sound. And it feels like James McMurtry's put his band together, whether they're still together or whatever, but at the time, they all had the same intensity with the dynamics of the songs and what have you. They all they joined him and got to where it needed to be sort of thing. Yeah, I'm just looking at the... There's an article about who played on the record. It's got David Grissom on guitar, Ashley Cleveland on bass, but there's nothing about who played drums. It might have been Kenny Aronoff. I was wondering that. I was wondering that. He was playing Melon Camp and yes. it's that sound, so it might be Aronoff. I don't know. Yes. It's so good. You need to check out this record if you're listening. It's so good. Well, that's uh, classically the point at which we wrap these conversations <laughs> up. Um, so, Brooke, Adam... Thanks so much for talking to me today about your favourite album. Thank, Thank you, you, man. And I, and I hope some people listening who haven't heard it, go and listen to it and get the same enjoyment that we have for the last however many years. And people should also listen to and enjoy Adam and Brooke's debut album together, which yes, is they out now in all good and evil music retailers and online. That's it for another episode of My Favourite Album. Thanks for listening. I've been Jeremy Dillon. You can follow me at Mr. Jeremy Dillon. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash myfavouritealbum. Subscribe on iTunes. And if you dig the show, please leave a review. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. If I could have.